0: Section twenty three of The Maker of Moons and Other Short Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Maker of Moons and Other Short Stories by Robert W. Chambers. In the Name of the Most High. Chapter two. As he ran through the smoke choked bridge, bright little flames shot from the crackling timbers and he felt the hot breath of the furnace underneath. And all the time he kept repeating as he ran, "'I'm a fool. I'm a fool. It's all up now.' But he hurried on, shielding his face with his braided jacket, feeling his way through the flurries of smoke and sparks, until a whirl of flame blocked his way, and on the edge of the burning depths he found what he was looking for. She was very slender and light, in her ragged uniform, and he lifted her and wrapped his jacket about her head. Then he started back, increasing his speed as the black smoke rolled up from the planks underfoot but it was easier than he had dared dream of for she revived and when murphy loomed up in the gloom and steadied them with an arm he laughed aloud from sheer nervousness then a terrific explosion threw him on his face but murphy helped him up and he seized his burden again and staggered toward the hill where keenan's guns were already thundering and the crack 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 of rifles echoed and re-echoed from rock to cliff "'You're hit,' said Douglas, as he entered the entrenchment. "'I know it,' said Claymore, hastily scanning the rifle-pits. "'Keep the men under cover. "'Douglas, what's up? "'Wait, I'll be there in a second. "'Here, Pillsbury, take this whoop "'this officer to my burrow and stay there until I come.' "'Douglas, lying close to the top of the breastworks, "'glasses leveled, began to speak in a monotonous voice. Two batteries have returned and are unlimbering to the west.' They seem to have cavalry too. A heavy column is moving parallel to the railroad. Infantry and ammunition convoy. More infantry coming through the cemetery. I can see more on the hill beyond. The batteries have unlimbered. Look out. Down shouted Claymore, but the shells sailed high overhead and plunged into the muddy torrent of the South Fork. Keenan, he called, do you want volunteers? Not yet. Damn the Texans bawled Keenan through the increasing din. Douglas began Claymore, they are and fell over Stone dead. Claymore heard the mini balls thud, thud, as they struck the dead body, half flung across the breastwork, and Keenan, maddened by the bullets while searching his dwindling files, bellowed hoarsely as one by one his guns flashed and roared Now, in the name of God, lads, to hell with them. Like devils in the pit, the cannoneers worked at their guns, looming through the infernal smoke pall stripped to their waists. Keenan, soaked with sweat and black from eyes to ankle, raged like a fiend from squad to squad while his guns crashed and the whole hill vomited flame. Thicker and blacker rolled the smoke from the battery encampment, until it shrouded the hill. Then out of the darkness reeled Keenan, howling for volunteers and weeping over the loss of another gun. Three left, motioned Claymore faintly with his lips. Three, number four dismounted and all killed. Send me some of your infantry. And the artillerymen plunged into the blazing furnace again. Below them the grass and abatis caught fire, and the smarting smoke of green wood almost blinded Claymore. Murphy and his engineers were at work among the crackling logs, but after a while the dull blows of their axes died away, and Claymore knew they were dead more men for the guns roared keenan from the darkness and a dozen rhode islanders tumbled out of their burrows and groped their way into the battery in another moment keenan came staggering out again gasping like a fish and waving his arms blindly they've got another gun claymore only two now more men for the guns claymore half fainting from loss of blood motioned to his men for volunteers and they came cheering for old new york and vanished engulfed in the battery smoke the hill was swept by fierce cyclones of lead. Bullets flew in streams, whistling, hurtling among the rocks, rebounding into the rifle pits, carrying death to those below. Great shells tore through the clouds, bursting and shattering the cliff overhead. A whirlwind of flame from the burning bridge swept over the hillside, hiding the river and the heights opposite, and the burning abatis belched smoke and torrents of sparks. Claymore sat down near the burrow, and picked the bits of cloth from the long tear which the bullet had made in his flesh above the knee. The last of the engineer company came toiling up from the railroad bridge, and the lieutenant nodded to his question. Yes, the bridge is blown out of the water. Where can I put my men in, Captain? Claymore pointed to the pits, and they went into them, cheering shrilly. A moment later a shell fell into one of the crowded pits and exploded. Throwing out a column of sand and bodies torn limb from limb. Only one gun was firing now from Keenan's battery, but from that one gun the lightning sped continuously, fed by a constantly renewed stream of volunteers. Claymore, watching Keenan, thought that he had really gone mad. Perhaps he had, and perhaps that is why heaven directed a bullet to his brain before the loss of his last gun should kill him with grief then a shell smashed up the muzzle of the last gun and the remnants of the servants dragged themselves away to lie panting like hounds on the scorched earth or die inch by inch from some gaping wound the jig is up said claymore aloud to himself for a quarter of an hour the enemy's guns rained shells into the extinct crater the tomb of Keenan and his cannon then understanding that Keenan had been silenced for ever their fire died out and Claymore could hear bugles blowing clearly in the distance. He staggered to his feet and called to his men, but of the tenth New York rifles only thirty came stumbling from the pits. Pillsbury also answered the call, sauntering unconcernedly from the burrow whither he had carried Claymore's charge. All around them the wounded were shrieking for water, and Claymore aided his men to carry them to the spring which flowed sparkling from the rocks above. It was out of the question to remove them, "'It was useless to think of burying the dead. "'The 3 days' struggle for the hill had ended, "'and now all the living would have to leave, "'all except one. "'Pillsbury,' said Claymore, "'take my men and strike for the turnpike due north. "'I can't walk. I am too weak yet. "'But you have time to get out. March.' "'The men refused, and Pillsbury called for a litter of rifles, "'but a volley whistled in among them, and they reeled. "'Save that their flag,' shouted Pillsbury.' I've got the git on. Claymore lay on the ground motionless, and when they lifted him, his head fell back. Dead, said Pillsbury soberly. Poor cuss. A rifleman threw his jacket over Claymore's face and started running down the hill to where the color guard was closing around a bundle of flags, black and almost dropping from the staffs. Save the colors, they cried, and staggered on toward the north. End of Section 23